Have you ever been a part of a, uh, a misunderstanding? Have you ever been really misunderstood or really misunderstood somebody else? That, that experience of being really misunderstood and how you feel really hurt, you feel kind of angry, and you feel powerless, the narrative, the thing that you were trying to do has been snatched away from you. Remember one time in high school, we had this, this big alumni weekend basketball tournament, and, and it was packed, and there's lots of people there. And after it was all done, my coach pulled me aside, and he says to me, he says, one of the alumni, a guy I really respect, came up to me, and he said, I cannot believe that you let that player talk like that to you. I'm like, okay. You know, what does this have to do with me? And he said, he said, I tried to explain how that guy, how, how he is. And, but, but he just was really offended by the way this player would talk to his coach. And, and I'm like, why are you telling me this? And he said, it was you. <laughs> what? I had a great relationship with my coach. It never occurred to me ever that I was saying anything that anybody anywhere would ever take offense to or be hurt by or think was uh, inappropriate. And I was... I mean, you can imagine, I was, what an idiot that guy was. Where is he? I could tell him into his face. No, I was very upset by this. And then how many times have I misunderstood people? How many times have I, 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 I waved to somebody, you know, but the sun's in their eyes, and they don't wave back, and, you, and then you spend the next couple minutes like, what was that about? What was that? And the next time you see him, you're like, hey, so... You all right? Are we good? And they're like, what is wrong with you? Right? We have these misunderstandings. And they can kind of cause a lot of problems. Our passage this morning kind of swirls around two misunderstandings. You know, I, I love preaching because I get to really dig in and study the Bible and think about things that I, I've never really thought about. I always hit this passage in 2 Corinthians and I kind of just scoot right by it. Like, I, I kind of don't really care about Paul's travel plans. I kind of don't really care. I kind of don't really care about whatever the mess was that happened before that they're trying to clean up in chapter 2. It just, let's go to some more stuff about Jesus. But this is stuff about Jesus too. And so, there's, there's two problems in this passage. The first is there's this, this travel plans mix-up. So, verses, uh, verses 15 to 17 of chapter 1. Uh, because of, uh, I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace, Paul says. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia, come back to you from Macedonia, have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do, do I make plans according to the flesh? Ready to say, oh yeah, yeah, oh no, 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 at the same time. Verse 23, he goes on, he says, I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming to Corinth. And then chapter 2, verse 1, I made up my mind not to make another painful visit. To you, So what Paul's describing is he, he was going to visit, he told him he was going to visit, and then he didn't visit when he said he was going to visit, and then he did visit when he said he wasn't going to visit. Just, who cares? Just a little thing. Just a little misunderstanding. But then people were taking this. His opponents were taking this in Corinth, and they were, they were using this as ammunition against Paul. And you can imagine the kind of things they would say. Is he coming or isn't he coming? Right? Oh, oh, just whatever Paul wants. Oh, okay, I see how it is. Why doesn't this guy just make up his mind? I mean, is he a man? Is he a real man? Just say you're going to do it and do it, Paul. 
They're saying this stuff about Paul. Out of like what? Nonsense. Change travel plans. You know, and it, and it doesn't even have to be like explicit to say, oh, oh is Paul coming? He's not, he's not coming. Little eye roll. Little head shake. What does it say? It says, I would never do that to you. I would never treat you that way. And there's this other problem here. Look at chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. Paul says, uh, now if anyone has caused pain, he's referring to this altercation he had on this painful visit that he had at Corinth. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Some kind of altercation, and so he's, he's referencing that event and what happened after. He says, now if anyone's caused pain, he's caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, the punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that Paul, at a visit, he was going to try to straighten things out in Corinth, and then somebody or some people stood up and embarrassed Paul and, and, and ragged on him, and he just, he was, he was like, holy, he ran away, and then he sends this really difficult letter, and now it seems like the Corinthians are clamping down on this guy and punishing him so severely that he's at risk of leaving the church and leaving the faith. And again, this is used as ammunition against Paul. If we fast forward to chapter 10, verse 10. His opponents there in Corinth are saying about Paul, oh, he's, he's so humble and weak when he shows up. He, he can't even, like, talk. But when he writes a letter, oh, then everybody gets scared. He's a great letter writer. Is that, is that the leader that you want? Mr. Letters? Right? So they're, they're making fun of Paul. They're, they're sticking it to him. And all just over these little misunderstandings, these little things. I mean, think about what this actually constituted for Paul. I was going to go there, but then this other thing happened, so I'm going to stay here. Big deal. I told you that you should confront this guy, but you got blown out of proportion, and now everybody's mad back again at Paul. It's not a big deal. It's these little things. These little things in the story of Paul and the Corinthians that end up mattering a lot, really kind of being the occasion for 2 Corinthians. These little things that end up mattering a lot. And you know what this is like. And this is especially true in church life, right? Some, somebody's kid is kind of rude to you. Right? And it, that's not okay. Right? They should say thank you. They should say please. No, right? Or you say, hey, hey, how you doing? And they just walk past you. Did they not say hi to me? What is that about? Things like, you know, you're waiting for somebody, the beginning of service, set up crews, uh, you know, uh, some event. Are they coming or aren't they coming? I'm sick of waiting. Have you, have you been in these situations? Have you felt these feelings? And how big they get? Why do they get so big? It's so dumb. But they get so big, so fast. These little things, these little missteps, oversteps, these little things end up mattering a lot. Why do they matter? Right? What are they? What are the little things that, that Paul is discussing here? The first thing that they are, what they really are, is they are the Spirit building up the church. Look with me at verses 18 to 24 of chapter 1. This is, Paul, he breaks into this long thing about how he makes, you know, he's not vacillating in his plans. 
Because as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him is always yes. All the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and his has anointed us and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You kind of like chill out, right? Like, but it's a little thing that's become a big deal. Paul goes on, he says, I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lorded over you for your faith, Oh, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Paul says, I recognize that the Spirit is at work building up the church of God. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to live in accordance with the gospel. That when God says in Christ, yes, and he declares yes over his promises, and it is absolutely certain, I'm trying to live that way. I'm trying to use the gospel to serve you, Corinthian church. Because the Spirit is at work building up the church through what? Through small, easily misunderstood things. Right? I want the Spirit to build up the church by smiting all of you in your hearts right now. And you all fall on your knees weeping and crying out and and, and, and dedicating your lives to the Lord. But the Spirit works through the nonsense of our lives. Small, easily misunderstood twists and turns of life. But it's not just the Spirit who's at work in these things, is it? Oh, this is what I had the orange for. So here's the orange, right? Here's, this is the church. As, a, as people make their way from one shore to the other shore across the Atlantic, they need these, right? This is life for them. And this is what church is in this world. We hold out the life. We hold out the light. We hold out what people need. And the the Spirit is building this. He's making this perfect thing, this gift to the world. And what's Satan doing? I'm going to have to... Satan is ripping it apart. Look at verse 11. Did you notice this at the end of Nate's reading? We would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are... Not ignorant of his designs. Satan has designs on the church. And his designs are the opposite of what the Spirit is doing. He is in a battle of wits against us. And we mostly don't know that a battle is happening. We are mostly ignorant of his designs. And so we go about our lives. We go about our life in the church reacting and overreacting. And Paul's saying those actions, reactions and overreactions is Satan ripping the church apart, trying his darndest to rip the church apart. So do the little things matter? Do the little things matter? You know, some people get really bent out of shape about little things. And some people are like, oh, whatever. Doesn't matter. How should we think about the little things? Maybe you're a sensitive kind of person. 
This is what Satan's doing. That's what he wants to do. I, I purposely didn't get a good orange. I got a bad one. This is what, this is what it's like. Some people are really sensitive to everything, right? And some people are just bulls in the china shop. How should we think about the little things of life as we live together in the church? And what we should understand and what this passage bears witness to is that the little things matter for evil. They matter for evil. Satan is at work. But they could matter for good. If we would... Pay attention to what the Lord is doing. Look with me at verses one, uh, chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. We are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you'll fully understand what you previously partially understood. Right? Something Paul wants to un- us to understand, I think. I'm writing to you to understand what you partially understood so that you fully understand it. What is it that he wants us to understand? What is it that gives the little things their big power? That on the day of our Lord, listen to this, on the day of our Lord, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. What is that saying? This is the thing. I wrote to you to understand. I tried to help you to understand it. Now I need you to fully understand this. That you will boast of me. You, Paul, Paul saying, the, you Corinthian church, on the day of Jesus Christ, when you stand before Christ, you're going to say, you're going to say, Paul, Paul was great. And I'm, Paul saying, I'm going to save the Corinthian church when I stand before Christ. The Corinthian church was great. We're going to boast about each other. You're going to stand on the day of Jesus Christ and you're going to say, the ministers at Fellowship Bible Church, the people who worked in my life were great. And we're going to say the congregation of Fellowship Bible Church was great. In the end, we are, there's going to be a scene, envision this scene, where you and I stand before Jesus Christ and we are going to brag about each other. Or not. That, that's a possibility. Or not. See, what this, uh, what this kind of implies is that there's going to be, in some way, there's going to be some kind of measure of accountability for how we've treated each other. Here's what Paul's saying. We're going to boast about you. You're going to boast about us. We belong to each other. And we might not feel that way right now. You might feel like, I'm just coming to church. We might just feel like, I'm just doing work here. I'm serving Jesus. But on the last day, it's going to be really clear. We're going to stand there together before Jesus. And he's going to say, okay, tell me some stories. Tell me about it. Paul really wants the Corinthian church to understand that we belong to each other. We are given to each other to facilitate the work of the Spirit in each other's lives and to increase our joy. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. Paul says, I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice, for I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. He's saying the Corinthian church is supposed to give me joy, and I'm confident that my joy is going to give you joy. This is what, we are, what, what we're here for. This is what we exist together to accomplish, to increase each other's joy. 
But what can also happen, of course, is that we can play into Satan's stratego and increase each other's pain. So Paul says, I need you to understand. This is why the little things in the church can become such big things. is because you belong to each other. And, and it's messy when you get ripped apart. And this is what Satan's after. He's after ripping us apart. So what should we do with this understanding? What should we do with this understanding? And uh, I don't have any slides for this, and this isn't a part of the bulletin, uh, the sermon notes here, because this just clicked for me this morning. But look with me at chapter 1, verse 12. Here's the first thing we should do. Uh, We need to be careful. Be careful, forgive, and work. These are three things from the text that we're supposed to do with this information. So in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. Are we in this congregation with simplicity and godly sincerity? Are we complicated? Some people glory in being complicated, and some people glory in being sarcastic. And Paul says, we're trying. He says, I know I'm complicated. I'm a a Jew who grew up in Tarsus, was trained by Gamaliel. I'm the guy that Jesus knocked off the donkey and called to himself. I know I'm I'm trying to be simple, and I'm trying to be sincere. And so, So be careful with each other because the little things can be big things. And notice this also in chapter 2, verse 5. Listen to what Paul says here. It's a little detail in verse 5 and 10. He says, now if if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me. Look what he says in verse 10. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I've forgiven anything. Hold on a second, Paul. You're the guy that the whole thing happened against. And he's saying, it, it, didn't, really bother, it didn't really bother me. It didn't, I didn't take it personally. I don't even have to forgive him. But I'm, but I'm forgiving him just so you know that we're all good. So, try not to offend... Instead of being Mr. You know, Miscomplicated or Mr. Sarcasm, be simple and sincere. Try not to offend each other. And try not to be so stinking offended either, right? Like Paul, like Paul had a public spectacle where this guy was like, you stink, get out of here. And he's like, you know, I'm not, there's nothing to forgive. What's there to forgive? He was upset. It's okay. Try not to be offended. A couple of Proverbs come to mind on this subject. Proverbs 19.11 Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Are you the kind of person that kind of gets offended and just, ooh, you just nurture it, you just pet it, and you just, ah, ah, ah. that's not not glorious. That's bad. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love. Did you say, hey, what's up? And they were like, okay. Whatever. You love them. It's not about you. I can, I can, I've never been able to, to find this quote 
in any of the books that I, I swear I read it in. But somebody said, sin always wants us to make everything personal, to take everything that happens and make it about us, make it a, a totalizing statement. This is, this is how they feel about me. This is the way I am. And, and this is how I'm always going to be. And just blow it out of proportion. These little things do this to us. Proverbs says there's no wisdom in that. So let's be careful. First of all, with this understanding of how we are together, we should be careful. And the second thing we should be is we should forgive each other. Look at verses 7 to 8 of chapter 2. Paul says, You should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Forgive, comfort, turn to, and reaffirm your love. There is a spirit that grows in us. We judge each other. We hurt each other. And over time, those judgments and those hurts, they harden in a church. And they they create these kind of invisible spacers. So nobody who would come in here could see this. But we see these moms here, these moms here. These couples here, these couples here. These families here, these families here. These kids here, these kids here. And, and what it does, these invisible spaces, they keep the joy from flowing. And they keep the pain pooled up. And so we need to forgive. We need to turn to each other and forgive. And now here's the problem with these little things. I was convicted about this in my, my, my pastoral retreat. I was thinking, do I have a problem with forgiveness? What would I even forgive? These little things, they don't even signify. What, what would you even forgive? No, did anybody even do anything to you? There's a sense in which you, we need to forgive each other for just being you, right? You need to forgive me for being me. I'm not, I'm not happy about it either. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> right, what, what, would we, what are we forgiving each other for? We're forgiving each other for being a hurting person. I'm going to forgive you for being somebody who's hurt, who didn't intuit my needs. Wow. Really? You're hurting, and you didn't intuit my needs, and I'm taking that personally. What am I going to forgive you for? Because you're bent by burdens that I can't see? We've known each other for what? A year, two, five, ten years. How old are you? Right? Probably not ten. Some of you are ten. You've, you're carrying burdens that I can't see. And I'm going to forgive you for being burdened. I'm going to take your burdens now, like Kyle was describing, is going to become my burden? What do I even have to forgive you for? What do you even have to forgive me for? We need to... Forgive each other. But these little things, they pile up, right? They're nothings. We don't even think we need to forgive them, and yet they come together into bitter distances that then we don't want to overcome, and we don't want to bridge. Because we don't know how it happened, but you look across the congregation, you look at people in your life, and I don't even want to have anything to do with them. They're just, they're, why, what? 
What happened? Nothing happened, but somehow something big happened. And so Paul says we need to turn towards each other. We need to forgive each other. There's these these small things that are easily misunderstood. We need to nip them in the bud. And then lastly, we need to do do a kind of work. He says in uh, chapter 1, verse 24, he says, we don't lord this over your faith, but here's the phrase, we work together with you. We work together with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. We work together for our joy and for our strength in the faith. That's the last thing here. Now, what is the work that he's talking about? The work that he's doing here is painful visits. You ever had coffee with somebody that was just awkward? Like, you just feel like you're dying, right? So are we going to talk about, no, we're not going to talk about it. Don't even talk about it. Painful visits, little notes, forgiveness, love. So on the one hand, there's small things that are easily misunderstood. On the other hand, the work that we're to do are these small things that are hard to do. The small things that are are hard to do. And why do we need to do these things? Because these make the best stories. Because now, anybody want to come and get a little bit of orange? Right now, I've got something to feed you with. Now we've got something great and nourishing that's cracked open and, and can give people joy. And you know who it's going to give joy to? Remember, we're going to sit down, all of us, with Jesus. And we're going to tell him stories. The Christian life, here's a way to think about your whole Christian life. You are collecting stories to tell Jesus. You are collecting stories to tell Jesus. We are going to stand before the Lord and we're going to say, These guys, I love these guys. And do you know why? We had this thing. It was little, it was dumb, it got big. We were angry. We had a thing. And then it was fine. And I loved him. Because we love Jesus, he loves Jesus, and I love Jesus, and we're together again, stronger because of it. What Paul is talking about is this joy and this strength that is going to flow out of the mess of our lives. Because the mess is going to turn into stories of redemption and reconciliation. And every time you hear a story of redemption, you love it. Right? Those are the best things in the universe is hearing about somebody who was broken, some relationship that was shattered and then healed. Best, one of the best stories in the Bible, the prodigal son. Right, Everybody's favorite story because it's a story of reconciliation and redemption. And that's what we have the opportunity to write and to tell all the time with the little dumb things that crack this church apart. So let me give you just a real practical advice. Look with me in chapter 2, verse 10. Just a little bit of a, a little practice to help us in this. Uh, anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I've forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. What's the key word in that verse? Forgive. I forgive him, you forgive him, I forgive him for you, for you to know that I've forgiven him. Right? So he's, here's the practical advice. 
Be three times as affirming as you are critical. Be three times as forgiving as you are offended. So three times as affirming as critical, three times as forgiving as offended. So if you come to church on Sunday, something bothers you, right? Right now we're, uh, we're, we're rebuilding the sound system. Our old mixer had an output that's dead, channels that were dead, and anytime you turned a knob, it was scary because you never knew if it was going to make a connection to the left or the right because this is an, an old knob. And we're trying to, to set this up in the most acoustically horrific environment conceivable. So uh, Mike and Brian are working on this thing, and there's going to be some, some fluctuations as we work on it. Okay, right? if you don't like the sound one week, Hey, every time you like the sound for the next month, make sure you let them know. Every time right, something that bothers you, set up, that person didn't say hi to me. Whatever, every time you like it then, say, make sure that you say, this was great. Who do, who's responsible for this that I can thank? Three times for each time it bothers you. Three times that you're offended by something. Right, so, oh, not enough people are doing this, not enough people did that, not enough people noticed this. Okay, now, the next, everybody who did, thank them three times. Try to over, counterbalance the work of Satan with affirmation, with forgiveness, with gratitude. Being present to what the Spirit wants to do in this church. The Spirit wants to weave us together and to knit us together. And not to make the orange all healed up again, but to feed the world with it. Distribute this. All right, so here's what this has been about. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12 through chapter 2, verse 11 is about. It's about small things that get easily misunderstood. And it's about small things that are difficult to do. Travel plans... You wanted to come to church, but it snowed more than you thought it was going to be snowing. Okay. Small things that are hard to do, like affirming somebody. When's the last time you affirmed somebody? You were like, hey, you, you do good at that. That's, doesn't, it's just like, it's like being operated on your kidneys through your mouth while you're awake. I mean, it's just terrible. I don't know why, but it's hard to do. But what are these small things, easily misunderstood, small things that are hard to do, what are they really? Listen, they are really the church of God outflanking the devil. Come on. They are really the Spirit of Jesus Christ establishing us together in Christ. And they are really us sowing the seeds of stories that we're going to tell Jesus one day. I want you to fully understand, brothers and sisters, that we belong to each other. And so we depend on each other. And a lot depends on us. So let's keep our wits about us. And when we have an opportunity, let's turn towards each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. And we are so thankful for the work of your spirit. And though maybe we don't feel as established as we'd like, we'd like to feel, yet 
what we enjoy, we enjoy because your spirit is active and present at work, healing, keeping us together, and strengthening us. And so, Spirit, we we thank you and we, we praise you. And we ask that you continue and multiply the work that you're doing in our lives and in this church. But we also are aware of these fractures. We're aware of the, the being pulled apart. And though maybe we haven't been aware of this till now, we haven't thought about it in a while, we know that Satan is at work here as well. That he has schemes and designs and he is applying his considerable wit to ruining this church. And Father, we ask that you would protect us from that. Help us to not be ignorant of those designs and help us to not be ignorant of the greater and more glorious power of your Spirit at work among us as well. And so, Lord, whatever we need to do, whatever we need to let go, whatever we need to mind, would you help us to do that now? Would you heal and strengthen, nourish this church that we might shine the light of Christ brightly in our lives, in our communities? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.